Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to another episode of The Castle Chat. Hey friends, welcome to our 11-part series on Epcot's World Showcase. Each week we will dive into the history, details, and fun facts of a World Showcase pavilion. Join us this week as we continue into Norway. Want to experience more magic with us outside of this episode? Be sure to follow us on all socials at The Castle Chat. If you love what you hear, please leave us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify so we can continue to build this community. Are you ready to jump into the episode? Let's chat about it. I don't know how to say hello in Norwegian. Um, so, hey, everybody. Hey, welcome to Norway. Hello, hello. Um, we are continuing our Where in the World Showcase series. We're going in order around World Showcase. We kicked it off where you're supposed to, Mexico. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, start there so you can go around in the appropriate order with us. But today, we're heading to our second pavilion, Norway. Yes, Norway, which, fun fact, was not one of the original pavilions when the World Showcase opened at Epcot. Yeah, it's not an OG, and it actually, fun fact, was the last pavilion to be added to World Showcase. It's our newest. Yes, she's the newest, shiniest gal in the circle. She on the is block. On the block. In the squad. <laughs> in the squad. Um, we have some fun facts about the opening of Norway that we'll kick it off with. We just mentioned it was the very last pavilion to be added to World Showcase. Um, It was added in 1988. So World Showcase opened in 82. So this is six years after the original opening of World Showcase. So I feel like that would have been a really exciting thing to be a part of since I have been going to Walt Disney World. Nothing has been added to World Showcase other than a couple of select attractions. We'll get to talk a little bit about that today, but um, since I have been going to Walt Disney World, nothing's been added to World Showcase. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for the someday, but for those people who had been to Disney and are seeing that there is a new pavilion, a new country that is being added, that was probably a pretty exciting thing to be waiting on. It's very interesting to me that this country just wasn't included in the original like it's it's funny that like two have been added since feels like it's a random amount like why were they not just originally a part of it i mean enough time has passed now that it makes sense for other countries to be added but for those to be added just so soon after the park opened i'm curious as to what happened with that so the few tidbits of information that i have both 
countries that were added last minute had their government, their royalty involved in getting their country to be represented in World Showcase. Um, So I think an interesting thing to know about these pavilions, especially in the 80s, obviously the dollar amount now versus then is going to be a little bit different, but Norway as a government contributed $30 million to fund and build this pavilion. And that wasn't the full cost. Disney did cover the cost of construction and the building, um, but the initial like buy-in, if you will, for Norway was 30 mil. That's so much money. Can you imagine like our government being like, yeah, we're going to spend 30 mil on a theme park in a different country? I mean, if I was Norwegian, I feel like I'd be like, and I was around during that time, I'd be like, why are you sending our money that way? Yeah, and the even more interesting fact is that for 10 years after that initial buy-in, Norway's government sent Disney $200,000 annually to upkeep the pavilion. I mean, way to go, Norway. Thank you for... uh your contribution and your support of this pavilion i'm sure disney really appreciated it and it helped them build a pavilion that was culturally appropriate and also really authentically reflected the culture of norway and the architectural styles all that to have norway's government kind of on their left hand to be like hey can you help us with this make sure we do it right and that's great and i'm sure they had quite a bit of impact into how this area looked for sure i think that their voice and their desires for how the pavilion was to be showcased and represented obviously was taken into account um the pavilion itself soft opened in may of 88 but their official opening was in june of 88 and the crown prince of norway came to Epcot to do like an opening ceremony and it was broadcast live to audiences in Norway. That's like that I can't really wrap my head around that considering like we know the pavilion to be open to like today and thinking about if a new pavilion were to open say in 2024 not gonna happen but if another pavilion were to open this year thinking about that also being broadcasted to people in whatever country that is and being a part of that I'm sure that was super impactful I don't know I just feel like it's very powerful to be able to say like representation of our country is here in Epcot yeah and I think the hope of the government in Norway the um, people like the crown prince who obviously made an effort to be a part of the opening of this pavilion were hoping for the the efforts that they made in Walt Disney World to then impact their tourism in their country and maybe encourage or inspire people to get to go to Norway, the country itself, not just the Pavilion and World Showcase and experience it. So I'm sure that that's where the investment, um, the hope or, or expectation of Norway was, okay, if we put 30 million plus 200,000 for a decade, that will hopefully return itself to us in our tourism by getting a lot of Americans or people closer to the Americas to see an example or depiction that's pretty accurate of Norway and make them want to come here for real. 
Yeah, I mean, the description of this pavilion as a whole reads, the Norway pavilion drops guests right into Scandinavia as they enter the picturesque town square designed to represent the Norwegian towns and cities of, I'm going to mess these names up, Bergen, Oslo, Alessand, and Sedestal. Yeah, I don't know where the inflection um, in those words go, but I think you did a great job. Thank you. That was tough. Yeah. So. Honestly. But you are, like I said, dropped, dropped, dropped straight into the town square designed to represent these four cities. And I think Disney does a really good job of um, showing off the different architectural styles in this area as well as like giving you an overall look of the country as a whole and we didn't do this last time in our last episode but I feel like we should like rate the theming like on a scale of one to ten even though we've never been to the country like some of these countries we've never been to um just our overall feel so okay I think we should do that for this one and moving forward should we flash back to mexico and go ahead and give a recap rating of our very first pavilion yes okay you go first what would you give it on a scale of one to ten um 10 being like perfect i love it there's nothing wrong with it yeah okay um, I think I give Mexico's theming, unfortunately, like a six. Okay. I was going to go like six or seven. So right there with you on that. I think that there are some things that they can do more of in this pavilion, like we talked about. Um, but I do think overall, like there is a lot of detail and um, it is well done. Yeah, I think the internal parts of Mexico are the highlight, but externally in terms of how other pavilions look, they're all like ancient throwbacks to Mexican culture and landmarks. And I think it would be cool to have like more notable, um, like there when we go around these different countries, we're going to be able to pull very specific monuments that are coming from these countries and you don't have that in Mexico. Agreed. So I think that they could probably ramp up their theming. Um, But that is last week's episode. We're on Norway um, going into these four different uniquely um, styled areas of Norway There are very um, distinct buildings in this pavilion that are supposed to echo those four areas or cities of Scandinavia. Should we go through those? You mean like the four different styles? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we definitely should because this is a big focus in this pavilion. Yeah. Okay. Let's kick it off with... the Sedestal is that is that how we decided? Yes, we're I think saying that's it? how we're deciding that we're saying it. If we were wrong, please correct us. Um, so the Sedestal style is basically those grassy roofs and thick logs. When you look at the pavilion, you can definitely see the grass like roofs, and that is a good indication that you're looking at the Sedestal style. Um, it projects a rough woods look. Think like folklore Evermore. Um, cabin and in the woods. Cabin in the woods and. And that is what you can see in Norway. And you can actually find this specifically at the Puffins Roost and the Kringla Bakery Og Cafe. Yeah. So if you're going into the bakery or the Puffins Roost, which I think is maybe merchandise. Yes, it is merchandise. Um, they're supposed to echo the Sedestal style of architecture of Norway. 
Yes. And I think it's very, like, I don't know, like I said, it's woodsy. It's really unique to look at. I think it's like when you're in England and you're looking at, like, a thatched roof home. I think that it gives off, like, the same type of feel. Um, It's unique. It's different. You don't usually see that as a roofing uh, style. So that is one of the styles. What's our next style? Um, We're going to go to the Bergen style um, or Bergen, whichever is the correct pronunciation. I'm unsure. Trust me, we watched YouTube videos and went on Google Translate to see if we could get some help, and it wasn't super helpful. So um, the Bergen style are going to be the gabled windows on the wood buildings. It's the fjording shop. Like if you're looking at um, what is now the Frozen Ever After attraction, the fjording shop is going to be on the left or the gift shop that you walk through when you finish that attraction. And so this um, like cottage style home is meant to represent the Bergen area of Norway. I love that. Okay, so the Oslo style is our next style, and it is marked by the surrounding walls of the Akershus mm-hmm. Castle. <laughs> um, so whenever you see those heavily bricked, stoned areas, those are uh, representative of the Oslo style. Yeah, and our last one is the Allison style, which is going to be our stone-trimmed white stucco buildings. Um, So the stone versions of the buildings as you're kind of making your way towards the end of the Norway Pavilion um, are those Allison-style architectural buildings. Yeah, I love how they take all four of these and really mesh them together well. So it, it flows very well. It's not like, oh my gosh, there's like a castle wall here and then there's like a woodsy building here. I feel like they make it kind of seamless in transition. For sure. And you can tell that it all goes together really well. This is something that Disney does well in all of their parks. It's something that is specific to Disney theme parks. Um, I recently kind of noticed this um, between Disney and Universal and Universal there are no sight lines blurred. I mean, you can see one area to the next. When you are at Velocicoaster, you can see the rooftops of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And so with Disney, specifically Magic Kingdom is where a lot of this is noticeable, where all the different lands, they transition seamlessly. And when you're standing in one part of the park, you can't necessarily see something that's out of theme with the next I think that's true of these pavilions when you are in Norway you're not like oh there's also China right next door or Mexico they're very isolated to themselves so once you step into these pavilions you are like the description says you're dropped into the middle of Scandinavia and even the transition from the first buildings that you see that have grass roofs There's like a little sitting area around the bakery and when you walk under it and you go out on the other side, it's like you've come to a completely different part of Norway, which I think is really, really neat and detailed. Yeah, definitely for sure. And I'm really excited when we get to a certain pavilion later on. There is a very cute and fun fact about the way that they built that pavilion with a attraction that's not even a part of that park in the distance where if you stand at a certain point it looks like it's a part of the pavilion and the way that they did it it's like mind-blowing yeah so I can't wait for us to get to that Um, and you may know what I'm already hinting at so when we get there we will talk about it but like I said the these buildings um, 
the detail is fantastic. Um, we also have a very large structure at this pavilion, and it is the Stave Church. Did I say that right? According to YouTube, that's how they Stave, said it. The Stave Church, which is a very, very large building right there in the Epcot Pavilion, not Epcot Pavilion, sorry, the Norway Pavilion. And it is actually, the building itself is supposed to be based off of the Gall Stave Church, which is found in, um, which is also found in Oslo, Norway. Yeah, if you look up pictures of this um, church, one, I think in like scale, it's probably bigger than what you find in the Norway Pavilion, but it is identical. I mean, the details that have gone into the construction of this building are meant to truly represent what this structure in Norway looks like. And so this is an example of kind of what I was talking about with Mexico, where if you go to Oslo in Norway, you can find this building and be like, oh, hey, I've seen this before in Epcot. Yeah. It's like that I saw a TikTok where it's like someone's yes. like in Italy and they're like, oh, I've, I've seen that before in Epcot. And it's like, you're no, you're in Italy where the actual like the actual landmark is. So no, but yes. And so I think it's so hilarious. And I think about that all the time. Honestly, um, that TikTok is in part what made my mind jump to doing this series. That's so funny. Because I'm like, man, you know what? I go around the world showcase all the time. I don't have the ability or opportunity to travel worldwide as much as I would like to, the way that my schedule is structured. I really can only do weekend trips. And so going to World Showcase is my version of traveling around the world. But to have insight now as we're going through these countries as to what it is that I'm looking at and what it's supposed to be representing should enhance and enrich my understanding of all the efforts that have gone into representing these countries well. Oh yeah, for sure. And going back to the Stave Church that we were talking about earlier. So it has a very unique roof. It's like a, it's very like sharply slanted. And this is actually a specific architectural trick that the Norwegians did when building this church. It was, it's designed to keep snow accumulation from crushing the sculpture, um, the structure, sorry, not the sculpture. And I think that's a very like smart way obviously of building a building but to think that they took that into consideration when they were building it not because it snows in Epcot um at all or anywhere at all in Florida really but that they wanted to accurately represent this building and build it that way as well so you'll see that really sharply slanted roof as well on this building I wish during Festival of the Holidays they would give us an example of what snow oh on the roof gosh. would look like. They should. Honestly, just give us that, please. That would be so fun and so cute. Um, I feel like we those are the, the details that we looked up in terms of historical depiction or accurate representation for the architectural style of the pavilion. Should we move into food, maybe? Yeah, I think we should move into food and drink. Okay, perfect. There's not a ton of options here. No, there is not. Like we mentioned, there is the bakery. This is a great stop if you're looking for a pastry or dessert or treat in the middle of the day. Um, the desserts include sweet pretzels and rice cream, which is a wonderful, rich rice pudding with strawberry topping. I think one of the biggest items that you can find in Kringla Bakery that 
is one of those cult following things and something that is polarizing you either love it or hate it is school bread have you heard about school bread i have not heard about school bread please educate me okay (laughs) get it school (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna educate you on school bread um yeah i haven't ever now i think i'm trying to think about if i've heard about this before but i haven't and i actually now that i think about it i've never eaten anything or okay. drank anything in the Norway Pavilion. Um, I have been to the table service once upon a time. We will get there. But um, at Kringla Bakery, there is something called school bread. It is a traditional snack that I think is served at schools or kids take to school. It's packed in their lunches frequently, um, which is why it has that name. But it's basically a sweet bread, and inside of the bread, it's injected or, like, filled with vanilla pudding, and then it has, like, a custard topping with coconut, like, toasted coconut on top. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I would hate that. Yeah, like I said, it's polarizing. You either love it or hate it. I don't, I don't like coconut, so that's I, don't, I was out as soon as you said that. For me, it's fillings. Like, I don't like bread with a filling. Um, It just, like, the texture of it doesn't sit right with me. Um, So I've never tried it. But it is something that if you are adventurous and you want to try something that is traditional to Norway and it doesn't require a dining reservation, then go to Kringle Bakery and try the school bread because apparently a lot of people really like it. Well, it just sounds like soggy bread, now that I think right. about it. Like, if that's sitting in there, it's just making it soggy. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's pretty fresh. Like, maybe they make it on the spot so that it's not know. soggy. But anyways, I just know about the school bread, that's well, all. Well, if you are looking for a sweet treat of sorts, you can head to the bakery to find some items. Now, if you're looking to get a reservation somewhere and have a table service that is also character dining... You have a great option here in Norway. What is it? You have the Akershus Royal Bank. I can't talk. Banquet. Banquet. We have the Akershus Royal Banquet Hall. Um, this which is actually is, a, a hit. I feel like for a lot of people, it's a hit for one reason, and that is the character dining is princess character dining and we love a good princess character dining because if you're not looking to go to cinderella's royal table and you want an alternative in a different park then this is a great spot to go um you can typically see princesses such as Belle, jasmine snow white princess aurora pocahontas mary poppins and mulan and occasionally ariel will stop by as well so you've got a good variety i would say of princesses i mean like pocahontas yeah pocahontas is a really good one mary poppins is kind of a like offhanded one because you can find her somewhere else in world showcase which we'll talk about later in this series but um It is definitely popular amongst the families for the little ones. Um, It is a buffet-style meal, I believe. So when you go, you can sit and wait for the princesses to circulate your table. Um, But then outside of that, there is definitely a pretty big um, spread that you can find. And I think, for me, I would... Again, I'm not the biggest adventurous eater, 
Um, but the breakfast is like pretty standard. There's not much that's strongly Norwegian. Um, but when you get to lunch and dinner, there are definitely some more traditional Norwegian bites. So if you like to try things from different countries and, uh, have some excitement for your palate that is beyond what the festivals offer outside. I don't usually see um, booths for Norway whenever they have the festivals. So maybe if you're wanting to try some Norwegian food, getting a reservation for lunch and dinner um, at Akershus is going to be your best bet at getting some of those um, samples of their more traditional foods. Yeah, it looks like some of your entree options are salmon, um, t- chicken breasts, you got beef, you got ravioli. So you do have some like generic options as well, but they do have like a Norwegian, you know, kind of like twist to them. So um, obviously the princesses are the big pull for this restaurant. And I know that getting a reservation here can typically be quite difficult as well as Cinderella's Royal Table because the princesses are hot commodities. Yeah, and the pricing. I mean, when you are doing character dining, you have to expect that it's going to be expensive, so it's a set price for everyone. Um, There's a price for kids, a price for adults. It is all you can eat, Um, so they do that just to make it... um, you know, they don't have a hard time filling reservations, but it is on the pricier end. So if the menu doesn't excite you, then it might not be worth your while. But uh, if your kiddos love the princesses, then this is an incredible way to meet and greet all of them in a single sitting in your day and just like check it off the list and be done. Yeah, I think it is a great opportunity, like you said, for for little ones and families. So that's your two options for food in this pavilion. Obviously, a lot less than what we had in Mexico, where you have lots of different options, whether it's table service or quick service food and drinks. So with this, it's a bakery or it's a sit down. So I don't think I have, like I said, I've ever eaten in Norway. I've never really had a reason to. So um, but if you have, then good for you. Yeah, I do think there is like a little beer stand maybe. Um, uh, yeah, I think you're outside. right. There is a beer stand. So maybe they have some Norwegian beers that you could try or just beer in general if you want to drink around the world. There is um, a couple of drinks that are like Norway specific if you're doing the whole drink around the world thing. I forget what they're called. Something about a Viking. But anyways, um, those are pretty much your options there is a viking coffee maybe that's what i'm thinking there is a viking coffee i think you can get spiked um that i see a lot of people taking pictures with and it has like a chocolate drizzle i think on it as well um and it's a cold coffee Mm. pretty sure is what it is but i'm not a coffee drinker so how would i know i'm a big fan maybe i should go get you should get you some viking coffee well fun fact about the restaurant itself um it is actually named after the famous 14th century castle like we talked about that stands in oslo's harbor and it has the same stone construction so it is cool that's also representative of something specific in norway and that it's representative of a castle, and this is where you can meet princesses. It makes perfect sense. It yes. makes perfect sense. Okay, let's move on to our attractions of sorts that are in this pavilion, which I know there is a big one in this pavilion that I am obviously like a big fan of. So Yeah, well, if we're going to go there, then we should start with the OG attraction okay. that it swooped Five. in and kicked out. 
It sure did. And you have some stories of riding this attraction with your dad. Um, I actually never rode this attraction. I don't, if I did, I was too young to remember that I rode it, um, but did not ride it in my adult years before it closed. Yeah, um, the attraction that was here first, if you have listened to our episode on Mexico, very, very similar to what happened with um, the Three Caballeros ride. Originally, it was a riverboat ride that was specific to the culture of Mexico, and then they came in, did a refurb, and put some Disney characters in it to make it a little more family-friendly. Same idea with the Norway Pavilion. We originally had an attraction called Maelstrom, and it was there from the beginning of the of the pavilion's opening and then ended up closing in October of 2014. So it had a really long run um, as an attraction in the Norway Pavilion. I don't really ever remember it being like a long wait or a long line, but it is um, the, the idea of the attraction was for you to leave present day Norway, which is what you find yourself in in the pavilion and travel back to the 10th century with the time of the Vikings. And it went through a lot of the mythical um, folklore of the country of Norway and the role of Vikings and um, a lot of the different creatures and and things that are told in some of the um, tales of of Norway, I guess you would say. Um, And so you go through this trip on your Viking ship and you see all these mythical creatures and things. And um, at the end of the attraction, there was... Um, a space for you to go and watch a film on Norway and some of its history. And that is, I've told the story on the podcast before, but it was always like a really funny thing between me and my dad that we would run to ride Maelstrom and we would ride and then we would like crawl through the seats to sneak out so that we wouldn't have to watch the film. And now I'm thinking about like the cast members that would like sit and stand and tell people like you know this is the history of Norway and like we're back there like sneaking out thinking it's so funny maybe that wasn't very nice but um it was definitely a nostalgic attraction for me just because going around world showcase when you're a little kiddo there wasn't a ton that you would like recognize or stand out and be like oh I want to go do this in World Showcase it was all kind of at the front of Epcot and so Maelstrom was a big one for me and that's we kind of talked about that with Mexico where the only attractions for a really long time were that boat ride in Mexico and the boat ride in Norway and so right there at the front of World Showcase was kind of like the hot spot for kids to do something that you know when you go to Disney you want to quote-unquote ride the rides um, and so that was a hot spot. But in 2014, it shut down to become what? Ah, the one and only Frozen Ever After. Frozen Ever After. Do you, I mean, you, you actually love this attraction or you just like that it's frozen? Um, I like that it's frozen. I am a big Frozen fan. It's actually not an attraction that I will do every trip. Um, it really, for me, just depends on if it's a low weight, like I'll do it, but oftentimes it has a super long weight and I know it's a boat ride. So I'm like, uh, and I know it's the story of Frozen. So I'm like, okay, I love this movie and, and this whole world of Frozen, but I will skip it. I'm like, you know, I, I already know what I know. Yeah. If your kiddos are big Frozen fans, I think it's worth a ride. I think it's worth 
um, you know, the wait can be really long. If you are like so long, if you're purchasing Genie Plus, it is definitely worth prioritizing on your list for Genie Plus. Um, it's one of those attractions in Epcot where once you make your Genie Plus selections, like the first one you can pick is already like 4 p.m. Like it goes really fast. But when you are in the Genie Plus queue versus the regular queue, it is so streamlined compared to the other one. Frozen Ever After is one of those attractions I have memories of being in the line for over an hour and getting to the end of the line and being like, are you kidding me? I waited all this time to ride this. Yeah, I, like I said, it's often a long wait. I'm like, I'm not going to waste a Genie Plus reservation on it. I could just go watch the movie and just be as satisfied. I feel like I feel like they could have done better with this attraction. Like obviously it was they took the original ride and they just converted it, which I know you'd mentioned in a previous episode that it was like super difficult for you to remember where certain things in Maelstrom were because of how they redid it and they did it well. And obviously it has some um, newer animatronics in it that use the projection mapping, which was very unique for the time that it opened. And so in that sense, it was like new and exciting, but I'll skip it. I will. Yeah. And I do think for little ones, I mean, it's got a little thrill to it. It's a little, it's more exciting than the Grand Fiesta tour in terms of like what you experience. And like I said, if you've got some really big Frozen fans, it's worth riding. It's worth waiting. It's fun. But there's also another way that you can experience Frozen in the Norway Pavilion. See, for me... I would rather wait in line for this than go wait in line for Frozen Ever After. And it is the Royal Summer House meet and greet with Anna and Elsa. The Royal Summer House, first of all, I think is such a cute name. But when you're looking at these buildings, these are some of those grassy roofed buildings. Um, They've got like the bright red doors. I think the theming around it is just so cute. Um, It's not world of frozen or arendelle like you will find in hong kong Kong, but um it is a neat opportunity for you to go and have the ability to meet and greet anna and elsa especially if you know they're taking this theming and inspiration for the film of frozen from the scandinavian areas that are in this pavilion i think it's a great way to get kids involved and interested in going to the world showcase and seeing that like oh anna and elsa are from a different country they're not from america they're you know representing norway um so i wish that we could get to a place which is part of our um, blue sky imagining at the end of these episodes where every single pavilion does have some sort of recognizable thing for kids so that kids really want to experience World Showcase as much as the adults. Absolutely. And I, like I said, I would rather wait for this than for Frozen Ever After. Also because Anna and Elsa currently are in their Frozen 2 um, outfits. So you get to see a like more progressed version of Frozen versus Frozen Ever After is just based on the first movie because it the ride came out obviously before the second movie did and so I'm, I'm curious though if down the line they will renovate Frozen Ever After to include portions of Frozen 2 as well or if it will just stay a like first movie type of ride. 
I think it'll stay a first movie type of ride. I think in the same way that Anna and Elsa in their meet and greet change their outfits, maybe they'll add things to other areas of the pavilion. Yeah. Um, but for them to go in and update the attraction, I think that would take a lot for them to sign on to do. Well, I mean, blue sky, you never know. They might True. be like, you know, we got to update this. It's outdated. True. You are just, you're totally right. You never know. So um, that's kind of it for um, like meet and greet and a specific attraction. Now you can go into the Stave Church where they do have an exhibit that focuses on the gods. And um, this is actual really cool historic area of the pavilion. And I think it's interesting because it actually talks a little bit about like Loki and Thor and Odin and all of that, which I think is they could do a lot more with, honestly. Yeah. Because it they are from, you know, in that sense, like it is Norwegian and as far as the history. And I'm like, okay, could there be more Marvel in here? But it is, um, if you want to go inside the church, you can, and you can see some of this historical information for the, um, the, the current exhibition not exhibition exhibit which is the gods of vikings yes i um totally agree with that when um we get to our other stuff um we can talk more about potential blue sky but yeah i think going and seeing these exhibits are worth your while disney puts a lot of effort into making sure when they put stuff like this on display it's very well done you can definitely learn a lot by walking through um i think one of the things that is a part of the Norway Pavilion that is um, very near and dear to my family's heart, which is worth mentioning, that you can go and see uh, the fjording shop, which is what you walk through when you leave the Frozen Ever After attraction. There's a huge selection of the brand Heli Hansen, which is a Norwegian-based brand, and um, they have a lot of like raincoats, winter jackets, and... Um, beanies things like that and this is like a thing for my family where we go if we are going in the winter months of disney we don't pack a heavy jacket and we go to the fjording shop and we get heli hansen so we all have our like selection of heli hansen jackets um that have come from epcot or gloves or beanies when it's a little bit colder than you would wish it would be in orlando florida but you didn't shove your suitcase full of these like really hefty coats <laughs> And so um, we use the annual pass discount in there and it makes these like pretty nice, almost like North Face style brand um, a little bit more affordable, but it gives you that nice cozy coat in the middle of winter when you're in Florida and you thought it was going to be 70, but it's 45. Oh my goodness. That's such a fun little family tradition. Yeah. It's just a th- like it happened one winter where we were all freezing and we came out of the frozen attraction. We're like, oh my gosh, they have coats in here. Let's get coats. And it just has turned into a thing where every time we go to Norway, we're checking out Helly Hansen in the fjording shop. And they have some other really cute stuff in there. All of these um, pavilions have started to make ears that are specific to their country. They have some Viking ears in there right now, which I think are cute and a little bit funny. Um, so definitely, you know, if you're wanting to shop around and explore a little bit more in Norway, don't miss out on the gift shops, obviously. Um, but um, there's also a massive troll in this shop, and he's a great photo op. If you, He is massive. Yeah, if you want to take a cute pic, I mean, go stand next to this troll. 
I actually have seen a lot of photos on the interwebs of people posing with said troll. Yeah, I wonder if he has a name. If he does, I don't know it. Yeah, he might. Or maybe the internet has given him a name. Maybe. Collectively. So we're going to we're gonna figure that one out. But some fun facts specifically about this pavilion. There actually used to be a huge Viking ship that was in this pavilion. Um, it was like a great play area for kids. And at one point, I don't remember what year it was, but... Disney actually replaced the Viking ship with like a flower garden um, because of some, I think it was some like concerns of kids were hurting themselves or something. Um, But there actually are still to this day remains of the ship that were kept specifically in this flowered area. So you can still see where it used to be. Yeah, I think stuff like that is really neat. Um, Whenever you know what you're looking at, most people probably walk right by it. But you're like, oh my gosh, this used to be a Viking ship play area. Um, I'm sure Disney didn't want any lawsuits of kids falling off things and breaking arms, so I get that for sure, Um, but definitely neat to think about things that have changed over the years and what that means moving forward. They can obviously always add or take away other things. Um, One other fun fact that we have is that um, the ride vehicles, like the ships, the Viking ships that you... um, are riding in what used to be Maelstrom but is now Frozen Ever After. Um, the ride vehicles were designed after real Viking ships of the Viking explorer Eric the Red. Eric the Red. I'd, I've never heard of Eric the Red, but I'm gonna be Courtney the Blue just because I want to be. Ooh, I'm gonna be Caitlin the Orange. Wow, love that for you. Yeah, I got a spray tan. <laughs> It's just fun little things that I didn't know until researching this pavilion that I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Wouldn't ever realize that or noticed it, paid attention to it. So um, always fun to share those things here on the podcast because maybe you didn't know that as well and now you do. And then when you're in like on or uh, Frozen Ever After, you can be like, did you know that this ship <laughs> is actually designed after Eric the Red? And you can now go tell people that fact because you know it because you learned it here. That's right. You learned it here. Here. On the castle chat. Well, let's dream a little bigger, okay? We Always. know that We know this pavilion, and um, there it's very aesthetically pleasing. There's so much to look at. Not as much to eat, um, but plenty to look at and nice little photo spots. What would you do? What would you add to this pavilion to, to make it even better? Well, when I went to the interwebs, and put in the Google search uh, what Disney characters are from Norway. One of the characters that showed up that I was not expecting, because I kind of thought that they were from somewhere else, was Aurora. Who oh. Aurora is Sleeping Beauty. Wow, I did not know this. That's what Google says. Maybe it's wrong. I was thinking she might be like germany somewhere else in europe but it says that she is pulled from norwegian heritage or roots and when i think aurora i actually think maleficent Ooh. and i think some sort of because we talked about the fun fact of like there's like a dragon head on the viking ship that's supposed to be representative of eric the red and so maybe some sort of like dragon-based Maleficent attraction that was, like, a little thrilling or intense um, that, I mean, I feel like people are always looking for villain-based stuff. And so some sort of, like, you are 
riding and then all of a sudden there's the dragon in front of you she catches fire just like she did in festival of fantasy (laughs) oh my gosh it's intense um i don't know exactly how i would imagine it but a maleficent based attraction i mean maybe you are riding from the perspective of aurora or sleeping beauty and you encounter maleficent um but that's that's my pick for potential addition i love that it's so unique and different wouldn't have never like thought that so of course you're always here with the super creative ideas but i'm you over have, you have a really creative one too okay well i mean first off i'm like just gonna be more frozen i don't know i just want all the frozen so i know that's like overdone at this point in this pavilion but would love to see that obviously and i would love to see something that is more in that like thor and loki realm because it is like touched on in the church and obviously like you know realistically you can't have like frozen ip and marvel ip in the same pavilion it obviously doesn't work with what disney's trying to do but say like frozen wasn't there at all okay imagine that that's all gone and you're able to like put thor and loki throughout this pavilion i don't know so good i think it would be so different first off and it would play in well with what's already there. You could have the meet and greet. Like, you could just substitute things out for them because we don't have Marvel representation in Walt Disney World. Yeah, and I know, isn't that, that whole rule with Universal? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the stupid Universal rule. But if that rule didn't exist, right? Well, if that yeah, rule didn't blue exist, sky. if blue that sky. rule didn't exist, we'd have Avengers Campus. But if Avengers Campus wasn't a thing, I think this pavilion's a really cool place to touch on their history and. I don't know. We have Guardians of the Galaxy in Epcot, so I don't think that's far-fetched. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, I'm curious. How do we have Guardians of the Galaxy? If they, How does that... How is the, where is the loophole? There's, yeah, there's some sort of loophole with the Guardians being uh, outside of the contract that was initially written about Marvel. It's like its own thing. I don't know. Weird. Anyways, I think that would be a cool thing to do. Don't know how it will be done. Honestly, I'm just jealous we don't have a world of Frozen, like, um, Hong Kong. And if we can just go ahead and, like, turn the whole Norway Pavilion into the world of Frozen, I'm down. You know, it would be a funny thing that is Thor-related. In the same way that you can try to pull the sword from the stone, what if you could try to have uh, Mjolnir, like, summoned to you? Or, like, try to pick up the hammer or something, like... That will be really cool, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be huge. It's just something. And it's giving, you know, uh, a representation of something that kids would be like, oh, I want to go try to get the hammer. Yeah, it would also, I feel like, really cater to, like, young boys with it being superheroes. And um, I don't know. This More of that representation would be kind of cool. But, yeah, I, I really like this pavilion. I wish there was more to eat for sure. On a scale of 1 to 10, if I was to rate it, I would rate Norway uh, probably, it's hard though, because like theming, theming, super high up there. I think like 8, 9 for theming. I think it's done really well. I love the architectural styles. What there is to do and there is to eat, I'm lower, like 5, 6. So maybe I'll just land at a solid 7 overall for the pavilion i was gonna say a seven for that exact reason where you've got good ip representation that makes it attractive for all ages um the theming in terms of the aesthetic of how it looks fabulous food and beverage very low 
So Very low. I, for me, it has to check all the boxes for it to be a perfect 10. So I feel like a seven. They do a lot right, but they're missing a really big element. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get my margarita, my chips and queso from Mexico, and then I'm going to go meet Anna and Elsa, and then like mentally I'm at a 10. Okay, there you go. You have to mesh the two together. Even though we're not supposed to mesh the countries, right? But like in my mind, if I had that in hand and I was meeting Anna and Elsa, mentally I'd be at a 10 out of 10. Super excited. Very thrilled with life. We'll call it Mexaway or... (laughs) Mexaway! Or Norico. Norico. Welcome to Norico. Yeah, you just mush mush the two together and you've got... Because like for me, Mexico's food, 10. Everything else lower end of the scale so right. they flip you flop got, you got a flip flop yes this seems like we can't give it to you all at once all the time you got to get like different sides of everything is there anything else that you'd like to say about this pavilion mm, i don't think so i think we covered everything that you know the the big things for me were definitely mentioning the history of maelstrom because we miss her but we're thankful for frozen but i mean we went over so much so i feel like we we gave her um, a good a good coverage. Well, next we will head to China. If you guys are wanting to see these world showcase pavilions in person or visit the countries that they are inspired by, you can certainly start planning your perfect Disney vacation with us at the Castle Chat through Magic by Kate. We have been able to create our own travel advisor business through Kelly's Magical Vacations, now KMV Travel, and we would love to be able to help you, our listeners, create your perfect Disney adventure. For more information or to start planning, you can go to the link in our bio or find the Magic by Kate page on Instagram. Thanks, guys, for spending time with us today on this episode of The Castle Chat. For now, we'll leave you with what we always leave you with, which is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you. Go make it magical. See you real soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.